Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My name is Nazmeen. And my name is Maryam. Welcome to Build Out Within, the podcast where we share essential knowledge and get valuable insights into the experiences of inspiring sisters from all around the world. On the episode today, we have Sister Kalisha Bennett, who is an entrepreneur and the founder of Developing Diamonds. She provides identity and success coaching, workshops, courses, and retreats with over a decade of experience as an active speaker and mentor of Muslim women, rebirths, and youth. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Kalisha. We are very happy to have you as a guest on this podcast. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah, dearest Sister Nazmin and Sister Maryam. It's beautiful to be here, and thank you for inviting me to share some thoughts with your audience. You are very welcome. So I would like to ask you, Sister Kalisha, life can be full of challenges, yet we can overcome, learn and grow so much from them. What has been the most important thing you have learned in your life, maybe through facing and overcoming some of life's challenges? Challenges, a huge question, mashallah, to start off with and looking at you know, the lives of each and every one of us there isn't one person who hasn't had challenges and alhamdulillah I've also had my fair share as decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think some of the most important points that I've learned along the way is to live always ever ready and prepared and ever conscious of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to play out his plan for us and that we might be tested with blessings and goodness and we also might be tested with challenges, difficulties and to live vigilant, I would say, to live vigilant and ready that you do your best that you can in your day-to-day life, that you know that at any time Allah SWT can send different tests um, and catch you by surprise. But when that does happen, if you are in a state of spiritual, mental, emotional preparation, when it does hit, you are able to cope a lot better. It doesn't strike uh, like a an absolute end-of-the-world disaster. Once you are in the thick of your challenges and facing them, I think an important part as well is to accept Allah's decree when it comes to whatever it is that he is testing you with. Know that he has written that challenge or that situation for you and he knows that you can get through it. He knows that you are equipped to be able to not only survive but to overcome and come out better on the other side of those challenges. Thank you so much for that answer and for sharing your insights on that. That is so valuable and so true. Often we go through different challenges in life and we don't expect them. It's like we're being hit by a storm. But when we expect the unexpected and are open to learning, that's where I think we can also develop a closer relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it is especially in those times that we turn to him and ask him for help and guidance. Now, purpose is the reason for our existence on this planet. And I would like to ask you if you could share some of your struggles you have faced to shape up your purpose. Oh, inshallah. When it comes to purpose, this is one of my most important, uh, if not the most important driving factor that how I'm living, what I'm doing, the decisions that I'm making day to day are headed towards my purpose. And for us as believers, we know that the ultimate purpose for which Allah has created us is to worship him and to call others to his worship and obedience. So we need to think about 
when it comes to navigating our lives, are we calling to that purpose? Are we calling to the worship of Allah SWT? And are we able to turn every decision, every act, every action, every word uttered, every intention, every effort that we make to turn it into a means of worshipping Allah SWT? For me, when it comes to acknowledging my purpose, uh, uh, you know, by Allah's permission from a young age, I reflected on on death. I, you know, lost my grandmother when I was about eight years old. The realization that my mother's mother had died when I hit about eleven. I was thinking at night time, you know, before going to sleep, pondering the world, and um, I realized that hang on, my mother's also going to die. My father's also going to die, and how would that impact me? And then I realized I joined the dots and realized, Allah, I'm going to die one day. And I thought, what happens after death? What what then? What happens once we die? And um, you know, I became quite anxious and frightened in a way, but then I knew the very little that I knew about Islam was that when you die, you're questioned about your actions and your deeds. You will be rewarded for what you've intended. And at that stage, I realized, okay, I've got to find a way to make sure that as a minimum, I worship Allah SWT. And at that age, I made the decision to pray to Allah SWT, to worship him. Everybody reaches that stage of realization at different times of their life. And it is ultimately, it's from Allah when that will happen. But we also have to have open hearts and seek that realization of purpose, that realization that this life has a greater and deeper meaning than simply living the dunya existence and simply striving towards the material possessions and the mundane and you know status and, and fame and all those external worldly things. So important that as an individual that you live your own deep why and that you don't simply follow the masses because we know that the majority of people will turn away from the guidance of Allah SWT. They will turn away from the truth. If you are able to even just catch a glimpse of what your purpose is, ultimately for us Muslims, we find our purpose and meaning through the message of the Qur'an. And it's all from Allah SWT towards its message. And then I had to, you know, as I grew up, make that active effort within myself to continue to uncover and to strengthen my own sense of purpose and understanding why I'm here on this planet and what it is that Allah SWT has created me to do. You know, what can I do for others? What can I do for the Ummah? What can I do to help non-Muslims and call them to knowing their purpose as well? So when it comes to facing the challenge of, of discovering or strengthening your sense of purpose, delve into the Qur'an, you know, put yourself around good environments and constantly ponder and question. As Muslims, we learn that just pondering, deeply contemplating about Allah is an act of worship. So we should never underestimate the importance of doing that and how Allah SWT can open the path for you as a believer. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, uh, Sister Kalisha. I totally agree, and Maryam as well, that purpose is the driving factor. And we have to acknowledge this, that our main purpose, like you mentioned, is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we also have a sub-purpose within that that's so unique to every single one of us. And it's through deep reflection and really questioning yourself to know what is your purpose. And a lot of people struggle with that. And it's great that you have found this. And it always comes down to actually helping other people as well, where we also add in there that the service to the ummah is also included within there. And I think what else was most striking from your answer was that you also are mindful that we should all give dawah to non-Muslims as well. 
alhamdulillah for being born in a muslim family but that's not the case for everyone in particular people who come into the fold of islam reverts and also people who are intrigued and want to ask and they're interested about the religion and we should all try to make it our duty to be able to help these individuals and give them as much information as possible it leads me on to the question i would like to ask you that mental health is essential for overall well-being and success and with all the changes we see happening around the world fear is unfortunately but understandably growing as well what would be your advice to women in these times of uncertainty yes panel we are definitely in times of uncertainty as we can see with what's happened you know globally um within our communities i guess i would you know when when you feel uncertain with things in life you have to realize almost everything in life is uncertain no pursuit no goal no endeavor no uh target that you're aiming to achieve no possession that you want to have is a certainty the one certainty that we have in life is death death is the ultimate reality and it's the only guarantee that's the only thing we are guaranteed to have or meet in this life and that is death that this life will come to an end and so that's what should shift our perspective to sticking to our conviction and our commitment to fulfilling that purpose that we mentioned in the previous question so if death is the ultimate reality everything else is tangible everything else is a possibility it can come it can go uh you could achieve it you could lose it it might be stable it might be unstable and again we prepare ourselves for the plan of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an important part for every person you know myself personally that i've tried to deeply understand is the concept of qadr which is allah's decree the divine decree of allah that one of the righteous companions said you know it's it's about knowing that what hit you was not going to miss you and what missed you was not going to hit you so instead of living in a state of perpetual fear and anxiety about the unknowns about the possibilities all the possible negative things that could happen and we predict the future through a negative lens always uh, impending that or oh, something bad is just around the corner that's going to happen when in reality a lot of the time the things that we fear and have anxieties about don't end up happening yet we destroyed our experience of our here and now through the projection of a fearful and terrible you know future so what we want to do is have an optimistic outlook on life and optimism is actually a sunnah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was extremely optimistic and there are narrations to back and prove that that he would trust in allah and he would you know always be moving forward in life that he would always be encouraging others to do whatever good that they could do and strive their hardest and you know give up their wrong doings and look to the future something that i learned uh, in the last few years through studying a concept called the inside out paradigm is the the psychological fact that all of our feelings come from our thoughts So when we're feeling uncertain when we're feeling scared we're feeling anxious we're feeling fearful uh, you know all these negative types of emotions worried uh, insecure uh, doubtful or you know not worthy or all these negative types of emotions we have to understand they're coming from our thoughts and we need to be more highly accountable to what it is that we allow to run through our minds and the stories that we tell ourselves about our ourselves our worth our lives the future and try to catch ourselves out when we are trying to predict the future in reality all we have is right now we have this moment right now we have 
you know, this minute, this second, this breath to make the best decision that we can. And we need to live with that consciousness and that presence and that awareness that I need to step forward in the best way that I can in this given moment now with this choice. The outcome is ultimately in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands. The future is already written. You know, that beautiful hadith, the pens have been lifted and the pages have dried. One of uh, Imam al-Nawawi's 40 hadith. The story of the future is already written. So don't be afraid of it. You're just going to be meeting those pages and those chapters as you journey through life. All you can do is look after your situation now. Be the best person you can be. Be the best woman, wife, mother, community member. Strive to be the most sincere and devout believer that you can be and enjoy the experience of that and the striving journey of that rather than worrying about the uncertainties and the questions in the future. Remind yourself, death is the only guaranteed thing in life. So let's just prepare for that. Let's prepare for our accountability and the way the world will unfold will unfold as Allah has planned. And we submit to that and we accept that. And that puts us in a state of stable and strong mental health in times of uncertainty. That is so profound. And understanding the relationship of thoughts leading to feelings can definitely shift our perspective. And it's so important what our mental attitude is and how we see the world and what our outlook on life is. And as you mentioned, Having a positive and optimistic outlook on life is so important and something encouraged by the prophetic tradition as well. So thank you very much for sharing that. You also touched upon the concept of Qatar and our future being written already. And uncertainty can come from worrying about the future. But a lot of women are also stuck in the past. So they feel fear, anxiety or regret over what they have done. And I would like to ask you, do you think women intentionally or unintentionally deprive themselves from unlocking success and reaching their goals? And if yes, what do you think the reasons are for this? Yes, Panel, that's a very good point that you made about the past. I usually relate that to the point that I just made as well. When people don't live in their here and now and instead they live in the memories of the past or they live in the fear and prediction of the future. Doing both of those things is insanity. Like it's useless, it's futile, doesn't help and it puts you in a bad state, subhanAllah. So unfortunately, when it comes to our stability or our sense of well-being and our mental health, as I mentioned earlier, when we, you know, when we don't live in the present moment, And instead, we live in the memories of the past or we live in the fear of our negatively depicted, predicted future. And what it does is, yeah, it definitely can end up holding us back. And, and I would say that these two things actually will hold you hostage from your future and possible success. Uh, it will definitely uh, undermine the potential that you have. It will undermine the potential good that you could do and achieve. Because of the state that it puts you in, when you sit every day or moment to moment thinking and dwelling on the things that have happened to you in the past and the reasons and excuses of why that somehow means you can't be a success now and tomorrow. And likewise, when you sit dwelling in thinking about, oh, well, the world is doomed and nobody loves me or no one's going to love me or support me, so I shouldn't even bother doing this endeavor because I might get criticized or whatever the reason is. 
again, it's destroying your experience of the here and now. And I think when it comes to women depriving themselves of success, I think that's a a really well-framed question because when it comes down to it, often you'll hear the excuse of it's other people stopping me. My family don't support me. The community doesn't have any support for my ideas or my projects or people criticise me when I come forward to try to step up and do something. We make, we can fall into making all these different excuses, Allah. But when you say the question, do, we, do women deprive themselves of success, that holds us to a degree of personal self-accountability, which is really, really important. We need to stop and ask ourselves as women, what am I doing to hold myself back? How am I self-sabotaging? And quite often the way that we might hold ourselves back, and I can speak about this from my own experience personally because I you know, have been through some of these uh, types of personal challenges, are things like self-doubt. Am I good enough to do it? Do I have what it takes? Should it be me or should I, you know, someone else would be much better at it than me. We doubt ourselves. Uh, We also fear the opinions of others. We're so scared of criticism. We're so scared of people putting us down. We're so scared of people squashing and crushing our dreams. So we put our dreams back on on the shelf and let them collect dust. Or we play it small. You know you have more in you. You might already be doing something and you have more in you, but you hold back because you don't want to shine too bright. You don't want to stand out. You don't want people to think, oh, who does she think she is? Or, oh, look at her, what a, you know, what a high achiever or what a show off or whatever. And again, it comes back to your personal relationship with yourself and ultimately your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your sincerity to him and your efforts in turning towards him for that self-belief and support. Because we forget and we lose sight of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees us and believes in every ounce of potential that we have within us because he created us by default with all of the potential and all of the amazing talent and possibility. He created us with all of it. We're like the perfect little recipe box and we just have to put those pieces together throughout our lives to manifest this beautiful potential that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us for. He doesn't tell us in the Quran that we are the khalifas on earth, the leaders, vicegerents on earth for no reason. He doesn't say that the son of Adam is the vicegerent on earth because we're supposed to kind of stay in the background and let other people step forward or other faiths step forward and be the leaders. No, we are supposed to be the ones to step forward and be the high achievers and be those who strive the hardest in doing good, those who create the biggest impact, those who look after this planet and the animals and the environment and the community members the best. So we have to really challenge ourselves. Why am I holding myself back? And are those reasons bigger than the bigger picture that Allah SWT has painted for me when I read about my purpose in the Quran or I look at the example of the Prophet وسلم, or the messengers of the past and how they powered forward with their mission and purpose. Thank you very much for sharing the beautiful gems that you shared. A couple of things that I wanted to touch upon that I totally agree. When we do sabotage ourselves and we become critical of ourselves and we agree to everything or we perceive that everyone will not have any confidence in us, we would not be able to achieve these goals. That's when we also damage our self-worth and our self-love, our self-esteem. Everything just sort of doesn't ascend. What happens is that when all these things accumulate and then they are always fested within your mind, 
from my own personal experience, when you have got the ability and you have got the potential to be able to achieve all your goals and you have got striking ambitions and you want to pursue them, you always hold yourself back. And that's where you need to stop stopping yourself and holding yourself back. Like you said, all this negative self-talk, all the way you talk about yourself, you don't have any faith in yourself. All this is all going on within you. You have rightly said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us human beings. We've got this machine, humans, so complicated. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us all the resources, all the tools available to us. Yet we still hold ourselves back because we think the opinions of others matters to us. So I wanted to ask you, when we do suffer from periods of having negative self-worth and negative self-love, and you have mentioned this in your previous question, but how does this sort of link in with the overall well-being, so from mental health and your physical health, in order for women to flourish? Yes, Pamela, it's a bit of an interesting topic that we're in because self-worth or self-love, it's kind of a bit of a trending topic now, but it's kind of being taken to a more, perhaps like a bit more of a a superficial means of working on and building your self-worth and self-love, you know, pampering yourself and treating yourself and, you know, loving yourself and beautifying yourself become ways of your improving your self-worth and self-love. And that's not to say that these aren't important concepts within Islam for the Muslim women, you know, in particular, for Muslim men and women, really, or all of us should have a solid sense of self-worth and self-love. Unfortunately, many of us have it impacted during our journeys as we grow up because of the way that we were raised or the, the lacking or neglect that we experienced or you know, perhaps even types of abuse to our sense of self our sense of identity and worth, as well as, you know, our school environments and society and so forth. When it comes to a, a woman or an individual who is lacking in self-worth and self-love, I would want everyone to recognise and realise that when you don't love yourself and when you don't see yourself as worthy of every goodness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's a type of disrespect. You're disrespecting yourself and you're disrespecting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's rejecting the blessing of who you are and the life that you have. And as I mentioned before, your self-worth, your self-love, all of that is innate. You were born with it all. We're born upon the fitrah. Again, we are this beautiful, complete soul, which is tied and bonded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, undamaged, untainted. And we already have this fitrah still existent within us now. We just have to rid ourselves of the scars and the damage and the hurt and the pain that we've experienced in life to rediscover and uncover that. So I would remind sisters of the fact that they need to know that their worth, their sense of self-worth is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that part of recognising it and appreciating it and acknowledging it is an extension or expression of gratitude, deep, deep gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, if you are tied to your Lord, and you recognize him in his majesty and his might and his generosity, then you'll see and reflect upon the blessings that he has created within you, in your life, in your being. I like to redefine that. I don't really like the term self-love. Like, it's catchy and all. Like, you know, it sells well. But I prefer to use the terms of self-respect, self-dignity, honor, honoring yourself. And as Muslims, we have this concept of izzah to have this sense of strong you know, self-esteem and, and worthiness and dignity and honour within yourself. So I think, you know, we need to use these terms, acknowledge them within ourselves, live it and demonstrate it in front of those around us 
and then try to instill it upon the next generation, teach our young ones, our youth to live lives where they have self-respect, that they live with dignity, that they understand the concept of honour, and then inshallah that will help to strengthen and instill that sense of self-worth and self-love within them, inshallah. It's really beautiful how you reframed it and you have mentioned, and that is unfortunately really true, the term self-love is understood in a very superficial way. And it's not deep enough. It doesn't touch on how we need to know ourselves and we can only truly know ourselves and our own worth by knowing our creator. What we learn from the Quran is that we need to treat the creation of Allah in the best of ways. And we have to realize that we are part of this. We are also a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is upon us to treat ourselves with honor and respect. You also talked about living with honor and self-respect and self-dignity and teaching the next generation as well to live in that way, to live with that understanding and that insight and knowledge. So I would like to ask you, from your experience of mentoring youth, what have you observed to be the most common barrier for the Muslim youth of today? When it comes to the struggles with the youth and our young people and the, you know, the barriers that they have, you know, when it comes to manifesting themselves and their sense of purpose, their sense of worth, I think a big part of it is that the young people, they don't feel heard or they aren't heard enough. And because they aren't heard, they also aren't understood. And when the young people don't feel heard and they don't feel understood, they can't lock in a solid sense of self, a solid sense of their identity, particularly their Islamic identity, which is in formation during their adolescent years, they will definitely go through different struggles with society and the world around them. And we know how crazy the world is right now in terms of influencing them towards immorality and being away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we don't hear our young people, we don't give them a seat at the table, we don't listen and sit still long enough to hear what it is that they have to say and what they need to share from their heart and soul. We don't listen to what their minds are confused about or thinking about. We don't listen to what they're carrying within their hearts. We don't hear or want to hear what the spiritual questions they have or potential you know, challenging questions or doubts they might have in their understanding of their religion. If we don't have that safe space uh, within homes, especially, number one, parents who can listen to their children, um, as well as within our schools, our mosques and communities, then our young people will never feel understood. And if they don't feel understood, they're going to seek to be heard outside of the home by you know, exterior influences, which we might not always agree with, or they might even want to understand themselves through the lens of, unfortunately, social media and mainstream you know, movies and music and that sort of thing. So they kind of will end up diving into the big wide world of misguidance in order to find out who it is that they are and, and what they want to, to become in life, what they want to pursue in life. If we can instill that sense of as adults within our communities, our leaders and the parents within our communities, the ability to truly hold space and listen to young people without judgment, uh, without shutting them down, without admonishing them harshly, and then inshallah they'll feel understood by us, they'll feel heard by us and want to come under our wing and inshallah follow the way that we are trying to demonstrate for them and lead them towards, yeah, sometimes people just think, do we need a new 
school? Do we need new programs? Do we need new mosques and centres and youth groups and things like that? When in reality, you don't need these things. Again, it's turning towards things. We don't need things. We need human connection. Our young people, our next generation, need scores of adults around them who are connected to them and invested in them and who create strong bonds with them so that they know they are held safely as they journey into the big wide world of adulthood and you know living in in the kind of like western standard of society which now has permeated all corners of the globe if they know that they are supported to stay strong as believers and that we see them as the potential future leaders then inshallah they will step up to that but the biggest barrier is not being heard and not being understood and the sooner we change that the better inshallah future and outcome we'll have for our young people Jazakallah khairan for sharing that answer. I can totally agree with that. And you are totally right. When we don't listen to our youth, they will definitely go elsewhere where they feel that they are being listened to. A lot of the time when adults, they don't connect with them and they don't understand with them, they don't talk with them, the communication barrier seems to disappear as soon as the child reaches sort of adolescence age. And then they go elsewhere from my own personal experience working in a college where I mentor young adults from 16 to 18, I can totally see the path. It's so clear to me that when they are on this path that they think that is helpful for them and they are being listened to, it's actually not the right path. And at this point, the parents don't really understand or don't talk to the children. They say that children don't listen to them. So I think that relationship needs to be really, really strong. And you have to be a role model to your children and to the youth as well. It saddens me to say this where I see young adults when they're not being listened to by their family or there's no members within the community. And these youth actually leave the fold of Islam and they live a life of what they think they perceive to be Islam, but they don't actually practice Islam, what our obligations are, learn about the deen gain the knowledge. And it's really sad to see this. I think when that relationship between the youth being listened to and the adults giving them the information is strengthened, like you said, then this will all change and we will definitely have future leaders from our youth who can then go on to help other youth as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Alhamdulillah, you are a mother of five. How do you balance being an entrepreneur, a mother, a sister and coach for the youth and community? So heavy question, right? This question of balancing, you know, we women, we walk on a tightrope and we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. You know, I think sometimes the word balance can be used to look at as almost burdensome, you know, that women have to balance everything and we have to be everything to everyone and we have to be the best at everything for everyone as well. And that's a big burden to carry. I haven't used the word balance a lot when I describe building a life of success as a Muslim woman. And it's not always just about this concept of balancing. Sometimes it's about just fulfilling the rights and responsibilities of different areas of life, including that of your own and not to forget yourself in the equation. I actually had my 10-year-old daughter, we were in the car um, the other day, and she said to me, she goes, Mom, how do you work and you have a business and you're a mum with five kids so again this is kind of similar how do you how do you do do it mum how do you balance life if you want you know an adult was asking that question and I said to her what do you think like how do you think I do it like how do you think it's possible 
wanted her to have a critical think about why or how I do what I do. And I said, how do you think I do it? And she said, I think you have to be patient and you have to be organised. And I said, that's an excellent answer, actually. And those are two very, very important key ingredients. Uh, number one, to be patient upon what it is that you're doing, because ultimately you might have more than one pursuit in your life. So for some women, they're happy. like they're, They just want motherhood and motherhood is their everything. And that's beautiful. And that is enough for a woman. And for some women, they might not have children and they choose to work. And for some women, they might choose to study the dean or study secular studies, academics. And for other women, they might be community volunteers. Some women might do a little bit of everything. For me personally, the things that I choose to pursue are endeavours that I want in my life. They're endeavours that I'm passionate about. They're endeavours that I made a decision at certain points of time. I was like, yes, I want to do that. I want to have children. I want to start my business. I want to volunteer for this organisation. I want to give dawah to non-Muslims. I want to start a youth group. I want to homeschool. I homeschool, you know, for a long period of time as well. All these things are decisions. And we forget that as women, you're not here to live the life that is enforced upon you, to live like a life sentence, like a prison sentence. You are here to, inshallah ta'ala, live the life that you choose to live and ultimately to turn it into an act of worship and live it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Having all those different pursuits in front of you, it's going to take a, you know, a sense of responsibility. And um, as my daughter gave that feedback, you have to be patient. When you say you want something and you want to head out and achieve it, you're going to have to be patient because it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be glamorous. It's not always going to be pretty. The more things you decide to pursue, the more sacrifice it's going to take, the more sweat. Uh, that you're going to have to put in to that cause or that effort or that decision that you've made. And organisation is a big one. So I guess when people say, how do you balance? It's about being organised. I'm not going to claim to be the most organised person. Sometimes I'm like, oh, oh, we're making last minute lunch boxes. Or I'm like, I have no idea what to cook for dinner tonight. Sometimes we're running late for things. You know, sometimes I'm rushing to prepare for, you know, a presentation that I need to do. But overall, to live an organised life, to know where it is you're going day to day, to have clear targets, to have clear goals, to know how you're going to maintain your home, your children's needs, your spouse's needs, uh, your responsibilities to your extended family, your work pursuits, your business pursuit, you know, your other endeavours, whatever it is that you have in your life, your health, your fitness, all of these things, you have to be organised and then commit to those decisions that you've made. Remembering also that at any stage, if you need to, you can change your mind about a decision you've made. I've put this in my life, but you know what? I don't think I want this in my life anymore. I'm going to drop that pursuit and not do anything for a while or choose a different one. You can change the path that you choose. Obviously, <laughs> we can't change the decision to have children. You can't exactly put them back where they came from. They're a bit of a lifelong commitment, alhamdulillah. But other little things that you add to your life, you can choose to change them as well. So live the life that you choose, my dear sisters, and live it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't underestimate how much you can do. We have so much potential within us. We have so much ability within us. Women are amazing at multitasking, carrying heavy loads and burdens of life. This is why we carry the next generation within our bodies, subhanAllah. 
we underestimate how strong we are in our capacity. And some of the strongest community workers that I've ever seen and I've ever met have been women. So inshallah ta'ala, we can all do our best and live our best life. SubhanAllah, that is so inspiring to see how much is actually possible to then also see how much women are holding themselves back. I think what it really boils down to is that each woman has to ask herself, okay, what is it that I want to do? Or what do I want to be responsible for? And then once that decision is made, of course, it can also change some things, not everything, but many things can change along the way. But then to really see this as an opportunity not to see it as something that cannot change, something you are bound to do, but as an opportunity to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to serve his deen and to use everything he has given to us in the best of ways to be the best believer we can be, to strive to be that and also to benefit people around us. You've touched on so many important points such as being patient, responsible, organized and having that clarity all around to really know what we want to do and then take the steps necessary to get there. Now that we are nearing the end of the podcast, I would like to ask you, last but not least, if you could give us a piece of advice you find extremely crucial, or maybe it's if you wish someone had told you in the past, maybe when you were younger as well. I think for me, a big thing that maybe wasn't directly said to me, but it was modeled before me as well as I was encouraged towards it, it was about stepping up stepping up in life. In my journey as a young person, I had a lot of self-doubt, I had low self-esteem. I didn't think I was particularly skilled, talented or knowledgeable, but I had people around me, subhanAllah, who would push me forward and a lot of place, different people at different times who would push me forward. And I had to make the decision at those times to step up to the plate And sometimes people or the world or a role will call on you. Everything in you is going to be screaming, no, 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 I can't do it, I can't do it. But don't underestimate your ability and your capacity to do amazing things and to be part of great goodness in this world and to leave your imprint, to leave your mark on the world. Ultimately, any khayr goodness that you do or share can become a sadaqajariya. That continues on until after you die. So, you know, a point of advice would be to be open to opportunities to do good and participate in good and don't underestimate your ability and your right to be the person who does step forward in doing good. If I had listened to my self-talk all those years ago, every time I was asked or requested to do something or participate in something or contribute to something, I don't know where I'd be now. I'd probably feel really sad and lonely. I wouldn't have had the amazing experiences that I've had over the past nearly two decades now and all the different people that I've met and the places that I've been and the programs that I've been able to be a part of and the lessons that I've taught. It all started off somewhere with one person saying, you can do this, and me saying, okay, let me try to do this, even though I was extremely terrified a lot of the time. So... Don't underestimate yourself, dear sisters, and when an opportunity comes forward, step up and step forward. And if there is no opportunity, create the opportunity yourself, inshallah. Well, there you go, everyone. Sister Kalisha shared truly valuable gems with us, and we really hope that you all benefit from this episode. 
Make sure to check out our other episodes that are on our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and videos when we upload. And lastly, always remember taking steps in healthy increments is a way towards goal achievements.